Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. You are all going to detention right now, and you must listen to me because I am the headmaster of this deadly cast. My name is Alex. All right, you've been popping off at your mouths, and we've got us as a right to trouble, triple trouble, and we got to get down to it. And I don't know, there's some masked men running about, and we got to have a look at them. I'm Justin. What's up, I'm Pete. And you are listening to Deadly Cast, a podcast about sci-fi's hit new show, Deadly Class. Uh, We are going to recap what's happened on the episodes so far, then talk about the latest episode of the show, Mirror People. Yeah. That's right. We are through the mirror here, people. Through the mirror here. Uh, So let's get into it. Let's get into Pete's favorite part of the podcast. What do you guys say? Ooh, recap. 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 So, Deadly Class takes place at a uh, secret institution called King's Dominion. It's a school for teenage assassins. It's split into a couple of different social strata, if you will. Uh, some are the legacies. Those are different gangs of every type you can imagine, from neo-Nazi cheerleaders to Asian gangs to, uh, I don't know, what else? That's it. That's that's all the people. Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, But on the other side of the spectrum is the rats, the losers club, essentially. Uh, That is made up of Marcus, who it was rumored that he'd killed 16 people by burning them in an orphanage. Turns out that's not exactly true. We don't know what went on exactly that night. But we do know that a new character called The Fuck, they haven't specifically called him that yet, but I believe that's his name, um, seems to be the person that perhaps is responsible, or at the least something happened to that guy's face Uh, uh, before that though he wasn't that nice he uh liked to have sex with animals and this episode he likes to have sex with somebody different we'll get to that in a oh, moment oh man I'm don't sorry. give stuff away in the recap i know, Stick I know. to the recap yeah, that's yeah, a we know that people haven't actually watched the episode they just tune into our podcast to find out what's happening on the show so i don't want to spoil anything for you guys the best uh, way we... to watch peak television is to hear someone else give their opinion about it. <laughs> i've Absolutely. never watched a television show i just listen uh, to others why... Honestly, I just run from apartment to apartment being like, hey, here's what's going on on Westworld while you're watching it right now. <laughs> That's such a Regard- fun. I would actually love that job. Regardless of the show. It doesn't matter what show it is. You could be watching Ozark. <laughs> I tell you what's happening on Westworld. That would get you murdered in Brooklyn faster than literally any other crime. <laughs> that is 100% true. Uh, so we mentioned Marcus. We mentioned the fuck. Uh, there's a couple other people in the Losers Club, the rats of uh, King's Dominion. That includes Saya, uh, who 
is tasked with keeping track of Marcus and keeping him safe. They share the same fate. Uh, that's something that another spoiler, but we find out specifically from Saya this episode. She tells Marcus all about that. There's also Petra, who's the resident goth. She struck up a little bit of a romance with a guy named Victor, who is basically Draco from Rocky IV. Uh, yep. and you mean Russian? pronounced Drago. No, no, no. But he's like, I think Pete's right. He's basically Ivan Drago, right? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, in that he is Russian. Sure. Well, don't be Russian to judgment about him this episode, because we certainly learned a lot more, which we'll get into in a moment. Uh, Also on the Loser Squad, we got Billy, who has a tall green mohawk. Um, He actually has the cast from the Losers Club, essentially, from It. So that's a pretty nice little Easter egg for you guys. Uh, Who else have we got going on? We got a random red shirt named Jaden that we'll find out more about this episode. Not that much more about. One of Uh, my favorite characters, top to bottom. uh, I love him. Love him. We got to see him poison last episode. This uh, episode, uh, worse stuff happens to him. Uh, and yeah. then there's also Willie, who is a friend of Marcus's. Willie is, you know, he's he's also there. Uh, and there's Maria, who Absolutely. is a little bit of a romantic flirtation of Marcus's, but mostly she is the kept girlfriend of Chico, who is the leader of the, what was it, Saravatos? Is that the name of the gang? I believe that's correct. Maybe. Okay. Chico, not a very nice guy. Maria doesn't like him very much, very scared of him, but he holds very tightly to everything going on in the school. Uh, last episode ended in a school dance, which was a big fight. Chico got smacked down. It seemed like the Losers Great Club app. was ascendant, but we're dealing with some real fallout from that this episode, which we'll get to in a moment as well. Uh, and then the other thing you should know is Bryson Posehn is around hanging out in a guy named Shabnam's house uh, where they had a party. And as we find out this house episode, party. he's still there. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, I think uh, that's probably everything you need to know going into the episode. The short version of what happened to this episode, there's a couple of uh, tiny little things that you should probably know. Uh, Billy went home. We met his dad. His dad is an abusive asshole who happens to also be a cop. He lives in Las Vegas. Um, Billy was trying to protect his family. He got the shit kicked out of him. As we find out at the end of the episode, he is proposing a trip to Vegas where everybody can go kill his dad. You know, very kip- road trip. That's very fun. typical road trip. Definitely want to talk about that before the end of our podcast episode and where that's going, because that's some crazy stuff that happens in the comic. Uh, and then uh, the other little thing that we should probably know about is Maria, while Chico is out of the school, tries to get out of town. Specifically, she asks Willie for a passport. He gets it for her uh, and passes it to her in a comic book. Always a nice surprise when you get like that thing, you open up the comic book. There's like a holographic card or a passport or something like that in there. Yeah. That's always I'm a citizen of so many countries because of that. (laughs) Uh, unfortunately, she doesn't make it out because Chico does come back. So that's a real bummer for Maria. Oh, the last thing you should know is uh, the fuck manages to track down Brian Posehn, uh, who's having a very nice time talking to his mom. Risky business. Yeah, about risky business. A lot of Easter eggs, cultural Easter eggs of this episode. Uh, but cultural Brian Posehn Easter up, eggs. What? Isn't everything just a cultural Easter egg? Yeah, this is a cultural well, Easter on egg. on this show. Yeah. 
It's true. Uh, so Brian Posehn, unfortunately, ends up being captured by the fuck. Uh, Shabnam's parents are also confronted by him, uh, and he wants to know where this school is that Marcus is going to. So we're going to have to deal with that pretty soon as well. But yeah, the bulk of the episode is well, this one thing, show- I just wanted to say real quick, Brian Posehn yeah, is please. treated like a, a human dog. No, he's the gimp. Well, I don't yeah, know. He's sort of wearing, he's got a collar, and he's sitting in like a dog pose. He's like a human oh, really? sexual dog. Well, like... <laughs> What kind of dog, Justin? It could be any kind of dog, a Pomeranian poodle. Yeah, sure. Well, it starts off with him doing... Pete a poodle. Pete a poodle. It starts off with him at the beginning of the episode, you know, uh, enjoying the fact that he was the only one who stayed at the house party, as you do, you know. uh, You wake up at somebody else's house uh, after a house party, and he risky businesses it. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but I think to Justin's point, it is interesting that he does end up to a, a dog, a, a sex dog. And I wonder if we're going to see that going forward and whether it will turn out to be poodle-like or not. That should be really interesting to follow in the show. Yeah, super important. Let's keep talking any, about that part. Any comments? Uh, let's go, let's go around page, the horn. Any comments Pete, about any that? Any comments on that? I think that it's one of those things where he had a fun conversation with his mom on the phone about risky business. You know, they kind of talked about the plot. And then, uh, unfortunately, he became uh, fuck the goat fucker's to- uh, you know, toy. So it's not a good look for now, Brian No, I, I don't want to push this too much, but I do want to mention, uh, before we get to the rest of the recap, because we should mention the bulk of the episode, uh, yeah. but I thought it was really interesting. One thing I was really struck by with this episode, this show is almost like a cross between, say, a Riverdale, which is a teen murder show, and yeah. Preacher. Like it's very yeah. it's very like Preacher and the, the sex dog thing is very like Preacher. For those of you who don't watch Preacher, there's uh, the God <laughs> is actually dressed up in sort of a, a dog gimp suit, a, a poodle suit or a Dalmatian suit, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Pete, any comment on that? <laughs> I don't know why you would uh, bring that and up. And just to say, we were dancing around it because of some uh, FCC violations we've encountered on our podcast. But um, Pete spent several years as a human sexual dog, and we covered it extensively in our Preacher <laughs> podcast. And uh, we just happened to chance upon it in this podcast as well. It's a complete accident and nothing that we planned in advance or Justin and I talked about off the podcast and discussed at length or anything like that. So, uh, Pete, you okay there? Uh, do, I thought it was interesting that uh, Brian Posehn was licking his pizza in the beginning of the episode. That's a weird way to eat pizza. I don't know. I well, I think it was like it was old pizza, right? So he was trying to wet it up a little bit, get it a little softer. Yeah. Oh, is that? Yeah, is that th- it? that's what I took away from that scene. It's an oh, old okay, Italian yeah. trick for uh, softening pizza. <laughs> All right. The bulk of the episode, though, is this show's very clear riff on The Breakfast Club as everybody involved in the incident at the school dance is taken into detention together. Uh, We even get everybody basically dressed up like the characters from uh, The Breakfast Club. We get to see uh, Saya doing the uh, zip, the hood, the hoodie thing. thing, That's Ali Sheedy, right? Was that Ali Sheedy does it? Uh, And then later on, Chico even does the fist bump that Judd Nelson does in the movie. Uh, Lots of fun. Way more murder, way more deadly. Uh, Everybody's kind of trying to feel each other out and figure each other out. 
Uh, eventually, Petra reveals, hey, I have a way that we can get some supplies because they're supposed to be locked in there for 48 hours. They break into Master Lin, who is the uh, head of King's the Valhalla Dominion. Valhalla Room. Uh, Valhalla Room, which is where he has all of his uh, contraband that's been confiscated. Uh, and they end up having a fun time in there. They do some fun stuff with jumping over spikes on a motorcycle. Yeah. They do some boxing. Uh, and then it turns out, actually, that Saya's cousins... Uh, oh, that was the one thing we forgot to mention for the last episode. The cliffhanger was uh, Saya's picture was sent to somebody at King's Dominion with some money. Turns out this is the gang that she escaped in Tokyo who is coming back to get her. They kill everybody in the safe house in front of King's Dominion. They kill everybody in King's Dominion, and they come in and break in and try to kill all of the kids. Uh, that includes yeah. the red shirt, Jaden, who ends up getting his hand chopped off and then dying. Oh, Victor man. gets his stomach sliced open. Petra gets hooked in the back. It's horrifying. Oh, yeah, they did that so well. It was so oh my God. Uh, scary. Yeah, uh, and we'll get back to all this in a moment. Uh, Chico ends up escaping. That's how he hooks up with Maria. Uh, meanwhile, Marcus and Saya try to figure out a way out. Saya eventually does get out. Uh, Master Lin uh, confronts the two masked men who have stolen Saya. Marcus comes out with a frying pan, knocks them out, basically saves the day. Uh, and we end the episode, or before all the other stuff we mentioned, we end the episode with Marcus and Saya sitting and talking on the roof about their futures, kind of touching each other's fingers a little Pinky bit. Pinky touch. Oh. Pinky touch. Pinky they touch. Set up, they set up the next kind of movie spoof. You know, they did the Breakfast Club in this one. Next episode's going to be Road Trip. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So. Uh, so there you go. That's an overview of the episode. Uh, let's jump back and talk about the highlights. What jumped out at you guys? What did you like about this episode? Well, there's a lot of amazing fight sequences for sure. Yeah. Uh, also, it's nice to know that when Sia uh, gets bored, she just needs a motorcycle to cheer her up. And then, you know, she forgets about her katana and stuff like that and just... Has fun. I thought this was a really great episode for Lana Condor, who plays Saya in particular, uh, just yeah. because she's basically had to glower and look annoyed most of the time. And here she really got to show her range. Uh, she got to be laugh and have fun with the motorcycle. She got to be a little bit. That shot with Marcus on the roof was super romantic. Uh, so Very that was really nice. nice. Uh, and also badass. The fight scenes. I know we were joking about the poodle thing with Preacher before, but I really do think they're on par with the fight scenes in Preacher, which are incredibly well choreographed and totally brutal. That's why it reminded me of it. Yeah, uh, and she really brought it out here. I mean, I think there's uh, there was a little bit more comedy in the Preacher fight scenes, but I think they do an amazing job with the fight stuff in here because they have a lot of badass kids and you got different fighting styles. So it's really impressive with what they pull off. Yeah, uh, I agree. And especially keeping Marcus bad at fighting, but still not yeah. dying. Uh, believably, yeah. I think is they do that really well. That last fight sequence with uh, the, oh, Pip. the boast. Yeah. I got some dog action here um, with the, the bow staff spear dude. Uh, that stuff was great. Yeah. 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 All the stuff and the sword fighting as well. I liked Master Lin's fight sequence. Also amazing. Yeah. He's, he's great. I, it's funny. Benedict Wong is so good as an actor and he's so good as Master Lin. You expect he gets into a situation like he does with those two guys with, uh, yeah. that have stolen Saya and the, the diner at the end. And, 
I, but I was actually worried for him. Like they had killed so many people at that point. I had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. Now I want to throw something out at you guys. Um, what, what was going on with the school in this episode? Because like, I get, we were doing a breakfast club riff, but they do this whole thing where you can't leave the library and then they break out of the library pretty easily they sneak by yeah. the monks, which was fun, but then they're driving a motorcycle in the hallway. Where is everybody? Yeah, yeah I mean, I it, it was weird. It made it seem like everyone goes home on the weekends, which right. doesn't seem true. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It, it definitely felt like they were the only kids at the school and everyone else was just off doing something else. Right. I mean, I yeah. think it was a second location, right? Like, that's kind of what I took away from it because they had – the guy who was tracking Saya was standing outside. It seemed to me like he was checking in, following Master Lin, following where they were and finding it out, uh, and then going back. But it was confusing to me because it was still a library. There were still the school hallways. So it seemed to be the same place, but not the same place. Uh, I guess, I think Valhalla is soundproof, apparently. <laughs> I mean, you can rev up motorcycles in Valhalla and nobody hears. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. It was a little weird, uh, across the board, but I, I didn't mind. I sort of liked it. It felt like they were in a private little area that detention sort of was, a, was a separate place and it let them really, uh, be in trouble by themselves with no real way out. Yeah. Uh, what else did you guys like? Other highlights of the episode? I, I certainly wanted to know more about Billy and his dad because that disappeared for a good chunk. And it seems like we're certainly going to find out going forward. Oh, yeah, definitely in the next episode for sure. Yeah. That's kind of the whole point of the road trip. But I think that, like, for me overall, I really like this whole thing about, uh, you know, you saw uh, Saya with her katana, like, practicing. And then, you know, like, the fact that it was so important to her. Like, it was a crazy episode for her because she, like, started with, getting it taken away from her and then she's fighting 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 to get it back and then like accidentally kills a family member yeah and it's like drinking on the rooftop like a badass in the morning watching the sun come up oh i she's amazing absolutely amazing her. yeah yeah it's it's uh i think she's a fantastic casting choice she she has to do a lot in, as far as range is concerned, and she pulls it off really well. Now, if you were uh, if you were dating her and she just had that sword everywhere, would you be intimidated? No, man, that is just fantastic. What would yeah, be I mean, you you were talking the other day about those nunchuck laws and how you can carry nunchucks everywhere now. Yeah, I could carry. If she could bring her katana, I could rock my nunchucks. It would be fantastic. I'm glad I was able to bring that news to you, Pete. Um, because <laughs> I look forward to the day when you're just walking the streets with like a six foot headband, uh, on trailing off your head, nunchucks, <laughs> totally shirtless. Don't fucking tempt me, motherfucker. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah, it's no, too you, cold for that. It's too cold. They, yeah. You won't look cool all bundled up in a big coat and hat and scarf and everything. Just waving your nunchucks. How did that guy lose all his fingers? Uh, winter nunchucking. <laughs> <laughs> Another tragic loss. Oh, now, uh, well, oh, I want to say ahead, uh, th- there's that moment, uh, the moment when um, Saya stabs uh, the guy who we find out is her cousin. I thought she stabbed yeah. Marcus as well, right through him. 
the, no, she stopped. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I thought, uh, not to keep poking too many holes in this, but I thought the staging huh? of oh, that was... Oh, oh, boy. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought the staging of that was weird because Marcus was clearly behind it, and I felt like we should have at least seen the sword over his shoulder or something like that. She didn't run it that far through, guys. She you ran didn't... it through the guy and then pushed it even farther. He wasn't that no, thick. No, no. She went for the second Fitch. lunge after Marcus was clear. <laughs> what? Uh, you know when you're shish kebabbing, you can purposely try to shish kebab or you can aim it away. I think they did a good job coordinating Oh, that. I forgot. Pete does carry around a shish kebab with him in a little <laughs> sheath everywhere he goes, and he knows exactly how far to push it through the vegetables. Yeah. yeah. This is uh, a fun thing you should know. If you ever meet Pete, the first question he'll ask you is, how thick are you? <laughs> yeah, he's keeping a very meticulous log about everyone's thickness, waiting to see uh, how it's going to come in handy. Uh, now, uh, one thing I, I did, uh, we had another uh, animated sequence this episode where we found yes, out uh, Petra's oh. origin, which, again, straight out of the comic books. That's exactly how it happens out of the comic books. Uh, for those who didn't watch it, what we find out is Victor is lying there, basically dying from a gut wound. Petra has been stabbed. She's also not doing that great. And she leans over him and tells him the story of what happened to her, how she ended up coming to the school. Uh, And her parents were people of God. One day they kind of turned. They basically became Satan worshippers, devil worshippers, following the wrong person, disappeared from her life. Garbage started building up everywhere. Her mother started ignoring her. Uh, If you read the comic, it gets even more in depth in terms of the whole devil sex cult of it all. Um, nice. And, yeah, yeah. If you want to read some real fucked up shit, you know what I'm talking about. With like an I instructions. Mean, they did a good job of hinting at it in the anime. Yeah, but they don't yeah. hint at it in the comic book. They just like straight up tell you. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? That's oh, good. With man. instructions on how to form your own version. Yeah, it's actually, there's no panels in it or anything. It's just an instruction booklet. Oh, I, the- I went to a Satanist meeting. Ah, nice. How did you I read look more book. evil? You look Thank a little you. more evil. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Don't ever do that. Yeah. You like that? You like that face, Pete? <laughs> Stop. That's great. Good for an audio podcast. Stop. Oh man, that's super creepy, dude. Uh, anyway, uh, so it ends up with uh, her mom's eyes being severed and her being forced to stare at them in a broken jar, oh. uh, and then it cuts to this beautiful shot straight on of Petra with the same eyes looking directly at Victor. That was pretty haunting, but I had a question for you guys. I, Clearly, I got a question as well. You know where this is going. Uh, Victor, me very mean to her last episode, but they clearly had some sort of bonding thing this episode. Do you think there's an actual romance sparking there? No, that was so dumb. I it really made me mad the way she like was like, "Hey, wake up, stay alive." No, let fucking evil Drago bleed the fuck out. Enjoy wow. the peace and quiet. Like, what are you doing trying to save the guy who's been nothing but evil? Hey, hey Pete, if he dies, what? he dies. Oh, right? That's good. Wow. Yeah. Right? Huh? Ivan Drago? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Ivan Drago. Huh? Is that Ivan Drago or a random Russian person? I honestly don't know. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. Uh, Pete, that's you can't let people die. You can't just yes, let them do that. you can. Die. Very easily. If you go to school where they teach you how to kill people, let... The evil guy bleed out. Yeah, but you don't know how evil, like, uh, evil's a pretty loose, uh, shifting concept. Did you see the last episode and what what he did to her? 
I'm just it, saying, so, Pete, if you, you have a shifting understanding of what a bad guy is, where's the line? You're, de- you're goddamn right I do. Uh, so that's bad. So I feel like I'm stabbed in a room, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, you shouldn't have brought up that Pete the Pooh stuff that many times. You're dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then maybe you'll fucking learn something. I won't because uh, I'll be dead. And I I'll say, I, I regret I think- nothing, you sexual dog. <laughs> Uh, I think we're building up uh, a uh, what? Why did I black? I blacked out uh, Love Triangle for a second. I wanted to call it a three way romance. That's not what it's called. Love Triangle. No, that's more of your sex cult stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta stop reading that manual. That's my main problem. Uh, I think we're building up a love triangle between Petra and Victor and Billy, and I'm I'm into it. I'm there for it. I like. We talked about this last episode of the podcast, but. One thing I think the show is doing really well in between all the death and destruction is building up legitimate human connection between everybody, really digging down on the high school of it all, which I think is great. It'll keep me tuning into the show. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Alex. They do a great job of that in all the episodes. Also, that's why it makes it so nice when they're dropping like references to comic books and stuff like that, because it really helps with their connection and the dialogue. I loved like the Superman uh, flash race. They talked about, you know, they were dissecting movies. I, I think that's very kind of like high school nerdy kind of conversation. And I love it. Just I, in I general. Go yeah. Ahead. yeah. Uh, all I was going to say is the only one that felt a little forced to me was the RoboCop discussion. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know. There was something about that that felt a little oh, stagey that was to RoboCop? me. RoboCop? I thought it was Cyborg. I think they're talking about RoboCop because they're like, so he half robot, half cop? I don't understand. Yeah, no. I agree with you completely. Uh, I thought it was Cyborg 2, Pete, actually. And then um, it was definitely RoboCop. Because I think they say in the end, so he's a robot cop? Yeah, I didn't. I guess because Drago was talking, I didn't catch the cop part. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you don't speak Russian hear. accent. Yeah, exactly. Guess not. Uh, anything else you want to talk about with the episode? Anything else you particularly liked? Well, I, I, uh, on the high school tip, oh, ahead, I Justin. just think, the uh, in general, the 80s are just so comforting, uh, oddly. It's sort yeah. of a dystopian decade, um, which I feels like we're in a worse version of that now. So watching this show is nostalgic and also comforting to me. Hmm. Yeah, just the Jolt Cola, was. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Do you, how do you feel about the 80s, Justin, in particular? Do you have a, an emotion you'd associate with it? Uh, I... Things were weird. Everything was very strange. Like Jolt Cola. Remember people were like sort of scared of it. And it was like, you, oh, you yeah. don't touch that stuff. And it's like, what? And then it's a soda. So it like. Yeah, but did you did you ever ride the cheese dragon? Um, I don't know exactly what you mean. You mean from the, the Pop Rocks and the Cheese from the episode? Yeah, that was a, that was her homemade Mom Fizzle Rocks. Pop Rocks and uh, Cheese. Yeah. Homemade Fizzle Rocks is what that was. That's nice. That's good. Uh but yeah, the 80s were great uh, for all of the weird shit that was being made. And I feel like so much of our culture, our like entertainment culture, is spun out of the interesting parts of the 80s. Yeah. I like your deeper answer, but I was hoping you were going to say, I love the 80s. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice. Uh, and last episode, Lady in Red. Great track. I'm on board for the uh, three-way romance. <laughs> the isosceles uh, uh, love session. I did like how we got a uh, Maria and Willie kind of moment in the episode. I thought that was really cool. 
And then when we didn't uh, get any Billy, but then at the end, he kind of explains, because Marcus is like, oh, man, you missed it. And then he can tell by Billy's face, it was like, oh, shit, he got beat the fuck up. So I have to sit here and listen to the story and then cry. His monologue, Billy, I'm forgetting the name of the actor who plays him. That was so good. That was so well performed at the end of the episode. Uh, Again, not to keep talking about the emotion of it, but... I he really infused every moment of that and made it very human. And to have that in the middle of an assassin school where his suggestion is, let's go kill my dad in Vegas, it still feels very real across the board. And I would uh, I would credit that both to the writers and to the actors as well. I think they're doing a very good job. And to have him just uh, tell the story as opposed to, like, seeing flashbacks or even doing it as an animated sequence or something, I thought was such an interesting choice. And really on the actor to be like, hey, make this awesome. It's the end of the episode. Uh, I was I I was really happy with the performance and the writing for sure. But I was just, like, so exhausted from what we just been been through it went right into that story. I kind of wanted a, a comical beat or something just to kind of like give me a fresh start for this new story because I just felt like, holy shit, we just survived. We got back to your dorm room and then we got hit in the face with that where I was like, yeah. I kind of needed a, a minute, you know, where Marcus was kind of like, oh man, you missed it. I kind of wanted that little beat mm-hmm. and then for him to be like, well, actually what happened to me uh, just because I just felt like it was like so much stuff in one episode, which I loved, but it was also like right on top of each other. Well, but I'd say, and we've talked about this quite a bit on our live show, Comic Book Club, uh, that that's very true to Rick Remender, right? Like that's what his comics are like, that yeah. every yeah. single issue you're like, wow, that's the most fucked up thing that's happened. Hopefully next issue, everything will get better. And then it definitely doesn't. It gets no, so much does worse. not. Worse. Yeah. Yeah. So also, oh, go oh, ahead, what I was going to say is that uh, I've done a little reading in terms of how involved he was behind the scenes. And the answer is insanely involved that as far as everybody said, <laughs> this is Rick Remender's show, like beyond even being the showrunner and beyond being a on set showrunner, which some showrunners are like, oh, I'll just give you know, a pass on the script and we'll see what happened. I'll work like, from home today. Yeah, exactly. He is involved in every single aspect of it. And I think that shows it exactly what you're pointing out, Pete, which is that things are not going to get better for anybody here. They're just going to amp up and amp up and amp up and get progressively worse over the course of the series. Do you know how I knew that Rick Remender had a huge hand in, in, in this project? when the main character is talking about how suffering is the only thing, the only constant in life. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, this is Rick Remender's baby right here. <laughs> Rick Remender is raising this child, and he has a lot of control over what's going on. Well, I think the thing that's interesting, though, to specifically point out that and those conversations that they have where they're all very disaffected teens – I think in the middle of all that, and we've seen this over the course of these first couple of episodes, they want something more. Like they do. Like they say on the surface, oh, no, life is pain. Oh, we have no futures ahead of us. But still, they want to make a connection with each other. They want love. They want to get out of this life in some way, every single one of them. Uh, And I, I think that's an interesting dichotomy that they're playing with. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's definitely... These episodes are a lot of fun, man. It is just nonstop. It's kind of that Ripper, Riverdale, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, you know? Well, and it's also, it's a little different. It is like Riverdale in that way, but it's different as well in that it's not just, like, so much plot. And it's sort of nice they yeah. let to, the scenes get to breathe a little bit. It seems like so far every episode has been like, here's the one thing we're doing in this episode, and you're going to we're running all of our storylines and character uh, moves underneath that. So we don't have mm-hmm. to, it's not about like, wait, oh, he's t- with her? He's doing this? It's more like, Oh, I see how the emotional uh, chess game is sort of happening in between these two characters. Yeah, I think they're doing a really good job of figuring out what you need to do at the beginning of a show, which is A, set up the world, which they do in the first episode. Then B, set up the rules of the world, which they've been doing over these first couple of episodes very well before this road trip, I think. But C, what they've been doing is mixing around the characters. It's very much about Marcus. Marcus is the center of the show. He's the Harry Potter of King's Dominion. But they are taking time to, like we talked about, put Maria together with Willie, which is not something that I would have necessarily thought about on the surface, or figure out beyond Victor being the mean, popular guy and Petra being the lonely goth girl. How do they actually work together? What happens when they're forced together? So... It's funny to see the Breakfast Club episode this soon in the run, but I actually think in retrospect it makes a lot of sense because it gave them a chance to dig deeper into the characters and how they feel in different situations. Yeah. Also, uh, I would say it's more Marcus's in a Hufflepuff because they're the rats like kind of uh, out on the roof there. But I also like how (laughs) even though there are... Uh, even though that they're like having these like great moments, they're still very true to who the characters are, which is great. They don't change the character to make Drago more likable. They keep him an asshole, but they still have these powerful moments, especially when I couldn't believe that Chico like found that uh, secret exit out. And I was like, oh, don't make Chico a good person now because he's going to tell everybody, hey, guys, I found the way out. No, he just dipped. And I thought that was so, such a great thing to have. Like, Chico kind of helped them, but then really fucked them when he locked the door and, like, stayed true to who he is. And, like, oh, man, it's, it's such an emo- emotional roller coaster. And they do such a great job with all the characters. Yeah. Now, I'll mention uh, before we start to wrap up here with the Vegas episode next week. Um, so. In the comics, Vegas baby, Vegas baby. Uh, in the comics, uh, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler or a surprise. Uh, they go to Vegas and basically trip balls the entire time, uh, and it's <laughs> the most uh, hallucinogenic thing you've, I think, you've ever seen in a comic book. Uh, and I've seen a couple of pictures Rick Render and I think Wes Craig have posted a couple of things online. They're keeping it very true to the comic book in terms of the visuals. Oh, like boy. I believe they drop acid and then essentially end up like in a claymation world. So it's going to be very cool. Nuts. I'm very excited to check it out. So you guys going to drop acid before you watch the episode? 100%. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. anytime okay. I'm watching a show, I do what the characters do and just see how my life changes. Yeah. That's, uh, that's why uh, I watch Westworld. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got you. To have sex with all the robots around your house. Yeah, well, mostly. Oh, sorry, sorry. Va- I should say not robots, Roombas. Yeah, vacuum cleaners. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Roomba. Oh, man. 
You know, oh, cool. Well, sorry, yeah. big up to you as a Roomba owner. Vacuum cleaners, <laughs> refrigerators, clock radios, whatever I can find, honestly. Yeah, your devil sex cult is more of an appliance fuck around. Yeah, it's more getting my dick shocked. <laughs> you know, you know nice. what I'm talking about. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's right? great to see, be able to, because we're doing this on Skype, to see Pete's disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> and not just have to assume it silently there. It's great to see it. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, superlatives for the episode. Let's give out some superlatives to everybody. Um, I'll I'll start just to give you guys a little bit of a chance here. Uh, we, don't Petra, need, we don't need time. Petra is most likely to have her mother's eyes. That's what I'd oh, say. How about that? Come on, man. That's, yeah. that's definitely true. Uh, most likely to crush it on American Gladiators. Um, that's the crew in the Valhalla room because they had those pugil sticks out, and I love that shit. Yeah, Marcus and Chico yeah. taking it to each other, being those kind guys, of friendly in a weird way. They would crush in the Eliminator. I would love to see an episode, season two, the Assassin Kids go on and become uh, American Gladiators. That's definitely uh, what's going to happen. I think Maria wins uh, mo- most likely to get really close to freedom and then take her time and then get caught. <laughs> That's cool. just you recounting what happened. I mean, I did the same thing. <laughs> uh, I, I was really disappointed that she didn't take the passport and run. Don't go back to your room. Don't you pack gotta... anything? No. Chico's a fucking evil-ass dude. If you're going to run, run. Yeah, but she Don't thought she was going to be gone go back for two to your more room. days. Yeah, she had some time. So, we, like, Pete, when you go on vacation, do you just, like, run out of work on the last day and just go right to wherever you're going? I wish, but if I was running from someone like Chico, you wouldn't fucking see me. I'd be out. Uh, I have one more superlative. Um, most likely to uh, to wear – no, most likely thing to be worn during an assassination – those fucking masks are what were those masks ever made for? Because it's in every piece of pop culture content, it's just dudes killing other dudes. Yeah, well, they're they're devil sex cult masks, so but they're used mostly for killing. Oh wow, well, what a studious answer! Yeah, no, I don't know. Cool. I don't know what they are. All right, guys, before we wrap up, uh, the. Please support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We'll chat with you about Deadly Class. Pete, what else do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Also, you can follow us at Cast Deadly on Twitter for a specific Deadly Cast and Deadly Class specific content. And we'll see you outside of detention. Goodbye. Finish your mayo. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>